I think we, we still, as a profession, need to be committed to the fact that what we do is extremely important. Exactly. There's really nobody that isn't affected by us. And so our job is extremely important. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of reflection and collaboration as we seek to keep growing as teachers. This podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 92nd episode of the Hallway Conversations podcast. My name is Matt Beamers. I'm Abby DeGirl. And I'm Dave Mulder. If you are a regular listener, thanks for joining us once again. If you are new here, we want to extend a special welcome to you. For those in education, we realize that many of you who are listening have either completed your school year or you are nearing the end. Thanks to each of you for your good work this past year. Our prayer is that you can find the time this summer to rest. Friends, Dave, Abby, and I are always looking for topics of conversation and feedback, so please email us or send us a recording of your question to hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. We are looking for relevant and timely ideas, so please let us know if you have a show topic ruminating around in your head. On our last podcast, we were excited to have Josh and Shanoa join us. Josh and Shanoa have just graduated from university and are about to enter the teaching profession in the fall. If you have not had time to listen to it, we encourage you to do so, and I think you will also better understand why Dave, Abby, and I feel so privileged to work in a teacher preparation program. But we're also excited to have some very, very special guests today. That's right. We're also going to bring a unique perspective, the perspective of someone who is not beginning their formal teaching career, but ending. You see, we have invited two people who have recently retired from teaching after dedicating most of their life to the classroom. Perhaps let's start here, Dave and Abby. If I ask you to think of some famous duos, you might think mm-hmm. of Batman and Robin, yeah. mm-hmm. Rogers and Hammerstein. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if anyone even knows who that is anymore. <laughs> yeah. Or even Simon and Garfunkel. Nice. I like it. But have you ever thought of Kim and Ed? <laughs> I, I have. Okay, all right. Well, if you haven't, perhaps you should, and maybe after today our listeners will understand why. Today we want to welcome Kim and Ed Starkenberg to the hallway. Welcome, Kim and Ed. Thank you. Thank you. Let me tell you a few things about these very, very special people. Ed and Kim both grew up in Iowa, which doesn't necessarily make them special, but it's a special thing. (laughs) They both attended the same high school. They both began teaching before Abby was born. And when I may have been seven or eight years old, riding around on a big wheel in around 1979 or 1980, both have taught in Christian schools for their entire career, and both retired after more than 40 years in the classroom. An amazing legacy. Mm. Friends combined together, Kim and Ed spent over 85 years in Christian education. Kim has taught everything from pre-K to six, except grade three. I don't know if there's a story there. She's also (laughs) taught PE, music, and has a short history of being an athletics coach. (laughs) Do you remember what sport? Uh, soccer. Of oh, course. And basketball. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense well, to me. No, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, I will say that Kim is most widely known for being a longtime and truly incredible preschool teacher at a local Christian school here. 
Early in Ed's career, he taught third and fourth grade before transitioning to higher education, where he taught at another local university for 13 years before returning to his alma mater at Dort for the final 17 years. Ed, of course, is still involved in Christian education as he serves as the office administrator for the Center for the Advancement of Christian Education. On a side note, but an important note, Ed and Kim met while teaching together and we are currently trying to find some fourth graders from that 1985 class to share some of their top secret stories they witnessed as that romance blossomed because we have not been able to get anything out of the two of them. Ed and Kim, well, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank so, you, I Thank think. you. Yes. <laughs> to, to be determined. Yeah. Exactly. Ed and Kim, maybe we can start with your teaching story. Like Josh and Shanoa a couple weeks ago, your teaching story obviously has a beginning. Beginning. Unfortunately, we know that today many teachers are exiting stage left from the teaching profession in the first five years of their career, but you stuck with it, literally for a generation. I'm wondering if you can share a bit about what led you into the profession. Was there someone who influenced you, encouraged you to become a teacher, and what kept you in it? So what brought you to it, and what kept you there? Ed, why don't you go first? Yeah. I remember, even as a third grader, loving school enough that I would play school in the evening in our basement. Oh, yeah. And I somehow got a hold of some textbooks and one teacher's edition of a textbook. Oh. And then my prized possession was a red pen. Wow. And so I would play school in the basement um, at night before I'd go to bed. Um, so I've always loved school. I've always loved the classroom. Um, it was not difficult to decide to be a teacher, although I did start Dort as, I think it was a social science major. No, excuse me, sociology and psychology major. I had no idea what I was going to do with that. Mm -hmm. um, and then as a sophomore, I transitioned into education and into elementary education, which is a little bit of a puzzle even to me. <laughs> but it certainly has been a calling. I have known all along that education was what I needed to do. Uh, it brings me a lot of joy and fun, and I think I have helped people. So I think that's what brought me to it and what kept me in it. What kind of teacher were you when you were playing teacher in the base? Were you a nice teacher? Did you rule with an iron fist? <laughs> I don't have any recollection of that. Okay. I think you were kind. Who I didn't. Students? I didn't have any students. You didn't. Oh. So a perfect I, class. I, <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> oh, so man. they did not get in the way. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I don't know when I was playing school what yeah. kind of a teacher I was. Thanks, Ed. How about you, Kim? What What brought you to it? What kept you in it? I didn't necessarily think that I would be a teacher when I was growing up, but I played school a lot too. I actually, uh, my grandpa bought, you know, those old wooden desks that you used oh, to yeah. have in school yeah. from Rock Valley Christian School okay. when they um, when they closed, and um, we all, all of the grandkids got some of those, so that's, that's what I use for, you know, for my school desk. Um, my brother was my student, and he would probably say that he always knew that I would be a teacher because I liked, he was younger, I liked to boss him. He always <laughs> said that, so he probably would say, oh, she was 
She was, she was going to be a bossy teacher. I don't know. I don't think that I was, but that was his interpretation. Sure. Um, but I, I always liked school. I, I enjoyed school. Um, I still can remember teachers from elementary school that I that I enjoyed who were very influential mm-hmm. in my life, even yeah, middle school teachers, co- uh, high school teachers, co- college professors. And it wasn't, I don't think, until I was probably a junior in college that I switched my major. I was going to be, I was a psych major also. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, I had an experience with a, a volunteer group that our that our college ran, and I ended up working in a um, inner city school, kind of a, a, a very modern school. It was like a very open classroom kind of a concept, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And didn't know what I was going to do with my psychology well, major, so switched okay. and became a teacher. And yeah, I. Don't know that I thought it would be a lifetime career. Yeah. If you would have asked me when I first got out of college, I probably would have said no. Mm-hmm. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. I liked the different challenges of the different grades I taught. If you would have asked me that uh, about spending half my career in preschool, I would have said never um, <laughs> at the beginning of my career. There's something good about all the different grades that mm-hmm. I taught yeah. that I enjoyed. Something very enjoyable about all the different age yeah. levels. So. Yeah. There's some wisdom in switching around. Once yeah, I, around. I thought so. You yeah. know that that isn't yeah. for everybody, but yeah. for for me there was. And sure. Kim, yeah. who who was one of your favorite teachers growing up? If um, I can ask, Miss Kuiper. Tell us about her. Orange City bit. Christian. Um, I, I she was just a good teacher for me. <laughs> I maybe not for everyone, but for me she was. She was. Um, her discipline was firm. She expected you to. Learn. She expected you to behave, but she was also very interesting, interested in you, um, took time for her students, knew her students. Um, she also, those, those were the days when families would have their teachers, you know, come for supper oh, and yeah. things like that. And I think she came to my house when I was. I think third grade, and my parents had me, you know, you know what I'm going to say, had me read the Bible. And I was really quite, you know, quite excited to be able to do that at the supper table. And the only thing was, and I still remember to this day, I at the end, she, she first complimented me, and then she said, um, but you do know that the word is not sword it's sword to this day. <laughs> you know, she did it in a kind way, but sure. it, I've, I've never forgotten that it's not sword, it's sword. So, yeah, yeah. Always a teacher. Always a teacher, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys uh, what being a first-year teacher was was like for you. When, when you started in the late 70s, early 80s, what, what was it like being a novice teacher? Hmm. I started teaching third and fourth grades at Inwood Christian, and I think what I remember most was how much time it took. Um, I lived just a couple blocks from school, and I would walk back to school every night um, and work from like 7 until 9, 9.30, and uh, sometime on the weekends too. So it was a lot of work, Mm. and the the biggest challenge I remember was trying to meet individual student needs, mm-hmm. and what do I do with the kids who finish early? 
Oh, yes. I had, again, I had a split class, third and fourth grades, and thankfully God gave me a first classroom of students that were pretty bright, Hmm. so I couldn't do too much damage to them. (laughs) (laughs) But some of them finished their work very early, and I had to find things for them to do in that downtime. And my experience was very similar. I started with fifth and sixth graders, a split class, Hmm. and... In those days, we also talked about this, that there was no technology, really, as, I mean, not much technology, and I don't know if that was self-imposed on us, but you pretty much, everything that you put up in your room, you made yourself. So I was not crafty, and I was kind of proud of myself because I had like one kind of a seasonal poster that I was going to put up, and I think my mom made it for me. And I walked into my room ready to put that up, and across the room was, across the hallway was a very experienced teacher who had a lot of talent, and her room was filled with these beautiful posters and things that she had made, and I just thought... I'm going to make it for one year, and then I think I'm pretty much finished because I just thought that this was not going to be... But yeah, evenings, lesson plans, and because it was a split class, just how do you how do you keep the other class occupied while you're teaching, mm-hmm. you know, the other the other grade? And yeah, the, the needs of students, you know, you had a lot of different student abilities and just to work with all of that mm-hmm. it was yeah those are things that you just kind of learn as you go yeah yeah i'm interested over your many years in the profession can you identify things like i know everything changes right but any big trends mm-hmm. that you've seen in education or in specifically the schools you were at things that have shifted or Looking back over the years, what have you noticed? I think that you have much more support in your schools now. I think about Mm. school counselors. Mm -hmm. I think about resource teachers. I think about the help that you get from the AEA. Things like speech, um, occupational therapy, um, PT that comes in for students just... Um, services, all, all kinds yeah. of services that you did not have available. <clears throat> I'm thinking back. I uh, very limited services, forty some years ago. If if any, a few services I can think back to originally, but really limited services. And sure. Not a lot was taught to you about differentiation and how to work with different with different needs that students have. Sure. I I would emphasize that second thing. Um, we've actually conversed about this in the last couple of weeks before we knew about a podcast. Hey, hey. But we talked about how unfortunate it was that when we started our careers, we didn't know why certain students couldn't do what they couldn't do. Sure. And we kind of assumed they couldn't do it because they either, number one, weren't trying, or number two, they didn't have the intellectual capability to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, now we know so much more about that and about those challenges. And because those services are now available, I think it's much easier for schools to meet those needs and those challenges. 
without making the students feel like they don't belong. Right. So there's I so many right. so many more ways to help them as as right. classroom teachers, yeah. you know, that you that yeah, there's so much more support and ways to help them. It's really interesting that you guys will bring that up because that's something I thought a lot about too. Like uh, I was well prepared to start my career. I've been in education 25 years now, but I think, man, the students that we're graduating today, they're so much better prepared to to start than than we were, right? And I just really appreciate you guys naming that, like some of those specific ways. Is that something you see continuing to Oh, definitely. And I think that about all the practicums and things that students do now, Mm-hmm. I really don't remember very many practicums at all before student teaching. Mm-hmm. And that scares me now thinking, wow, how little practical experience in those days that we had before sure. we went into the classroom that first year. It's like they're very little. Yeah, so it'll be a lot of theoretical uh-huh. knowledge, but how but does not this a lot translate? Of practical. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And another huge change across our careers has been technology. Right, yeah. right. Uh, mm. You know, I still remember trying to figure things out and as challenged as I am with technology I typically was one of the leaders and I still remember when our school got its first video disc player oh yeah and no one knew what to do with it and so I literally sat in the library with the owner's manual Mm. trying to figure out what do you do with this big record (laughs) and how do you make it play and then you have to turn it over and it's just like Wow, but that was really cool then. Yeah, it was. And yeah, it, it, in, during our careers, you know, so many things changed, and the need for good use of media changed. Right. In order to really meet kids and reach them, mm-hmm. you had to figure out how to do it and how to do it well. Right. And so that was a kind of a that big challenge that big, I think we yep. faced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's something for you that that mattered? To you as a teacher, like if, yeah, what mattered to you most as a teacher? And, and maybe maybe an additional question is, if if I would find some of your former students or and ask them, hey, this is what mattered to Mr. Starkenberg. What do you, what do you hope they would say? <laughs> I hope they would say <laughs> that we enjoyed school. I actually had a rule in my class that you had to have fun. Oh, that's good. I really felt that in order for them to enjoy learning, they needed to have a positive experience. And so I tried to get them to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I tend to be kind of a fun-loving person, so I, I... didn't want to be one of those teachers that, you know, kids were scared of and, and that type of thing. So that, that was one part. Sadly, I think one of the things that I am remembered for is teaching human sexuality. (laughs) (laughs) For many years um, in our school, we, the human sexuality curriculum um, matured as I was teaching there. And even after I had moved on to teaching at the college level, I came back for several years to help teach human sexuality. So there are many young people and young adults in Orange City who think of Ed Starkenberg as the sex ed teacher. I'm going to be really honest right now, Ed. I did not see the conversation going this way when I asked you that question. So... Kim, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Um, I think, you know, again, I firmly believe in play-based 
um, mm-hmm. curriculum for preschoolers especially. Mm-hmm. So again, fun is a huge part of, of that. Um, and I think just that my students know that I that I truly love them, that I cared about them, that I was you know interested about their lives outside of school, and not just as preschoolers either, but in, in other grades too. That you mm-hmm. know, I knew the names of their their siblings and their dogs and their cats and and things about them. And yeah, I think I think if I if I would look back, I would say hopefully they they knew that you know about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was what was something that you would say was hard about teaching. There's a lot of joyful things about teaching. Yeah, what, was, yeah. what was something that you found challenging or demanding or hard? I think for me that every year you start over. Oh, you know, right? you start, you know, yes. just at the end of the year, you're, you know, this little family in your room, you know mm. each other, you, you know, they, they, they know you, you know them. And then the next year, it's a totally different thing. It, it, you know, yeah. you, you maybe don't even change your curriculum the next year. There's no changes there, but based mm. on those p- little personalities that come back, that come in, it's a, it's, it's totally different. Yeah. And, and that, that's a challenge. And for me, I also think is that you know during that school year, your your work is never finished. You know, mm. You're never caught up that yeah. whole year, and that's that was always challenging for me. I was going to answer with something related to that, and I I wish I could tell you the name of the person who said this, but I remember reading it, and it was a, an experienced teacher who said the problem with teaching is you you never have enough. Mm. It can be enough time, enough resources, enough insights. Um, but you always feel like you could have done more or you need to do more or you wish you had done more. Um, so this idea of just never having enough, I think, is one of the challenges that that plagues teachers who are very conscientious about their work. So can I follow up on that? I'm just thinking we have a bunch of first-year teachers or even experienced teachers who still struggle with that, right? You can always do more. It's mm-hmm. never enough. What, what advice or wisdom would you give them? Or, or how did you live in that tension even? Because every day you go home, you're like, I could have done this, I could have done that. And it is a tension. That's a, an excellent way to describe it. And you do have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Because there is no way you're ever going to take care of that problem. Um, you you have to find balance. And I just remember you know, even working with first-year college students, trying to teach them one of the most important things you can do this year is try to figure out balance. Mm. I can still remember a couple of nights in my first year of teaching. I mentioned to you that I went back every night and so forth. And there were a couple of nights where somebody invited me to do something. And I initially felt really guilty that I wasn't back at school doing this work. And how is it ever going to go the next day? And then I discovered that that was the most wonderful little vacation to take a night and do something else so you you do have to learn how to live in that balance and i don't have any magical solution for that but that is probably one of the most important things Mm -hmm. teachers have to do Mm -hmm. what we talk about self-care a lot you know Mm -hmm. you just mentioned you mentioned that like but especially on the hard days how did you process hard days whether it was with a student or just dissatisfied with how you did as a teacher or, or pedagogy, um, yeah. Like, what would you say? How did you take? How did you take care of yourself, Kim, on those hard days? Because I think there's a lot for first year teachers. Same thing. Like, how? What? What do I do when the students leave? And there's tears or there's yeah. frustration. Like, what? What advice, wisdom, or even how did you manage that? If I can ask. I think that 
you know, we had kind of a unique situation in that we were both in education. So, you know, we could talk about things together and you'd Mm -hmm. have, you know, you had somebody who understood, you know, that that got it, that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, you didn't feel like you were, um, you know, talking to somebody who... I'm like I don't I don't get what you're talking about you know somebody that was there that whether that was always a good thing or a bad thing I don't know but that and I I you know I always I had very supportive colleagues in in all the schools that I that I worked with people that I that I trusted you know that you could just kind of bounce ideas off and just you know and sometimes it was you know I, I walked with you know some a, a colleague who was a good friend you know and and sometimes we talked about school things and sometimes we didn't but we you know sometimes the the, the faster the faster we talked the faster we walked and that was good you know that was always, that was always oh, yeah. a great thing so um, yeah I think that that helped a lot um, and I think just recognizes that recognizing that you know tomorrow was another day you know you yeah. were, you you know you were you were given that day as as a gift from God and you got grace to start the new day. The next day and to be able to forgive yourself yes, yes. Um, and sometimes I, I think that's probably the help of talking with somebody it's almost easier to forgive yourself if somebody who understands can also help you to feel forgiven yeah. but another thing that um, as you were talking about that Matt came to my mind is I always wanted to be honest with my students so if I screwed up the next yeah. day I told them, I screwed up. I should not have done this. I should have done this. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's try this instead, that type of thing. Because I think that also demonstrates for them how they need to be, you know, aware yeah. of their weaknesses. And the whole idea of forgiveness, I think, is extremely important. Yeah. How, how did they respond to that, Ed, when, when you would say, hey, I, I kind of screwed up here, guys? Initially, but. they were like, teachers don't make mistakes. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> So I think initially they didn't really know how to handle that because yeah. maybe I might have been the first teacher to actually say that to them. Mm-hmm. But then they, I have found whenever I am honest with my students, they are much more open to what I have to say mm-hmm. and what I'm trying to teach yeah. them. So eventually I think it had very positive impact. It's kind of that golden rule for teachers where you never ask students to do things you wouldn't do right. yourself. Right, right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Is there anything that you miss? Now that you're finished, or anything that you do not miss, <laughs> I miss my students. Yeah, I miss that you know that relationship you have. Mm. You know, I've subbed a little bit, um, but you don't have that same relationship, right? You know, so that I think that's the biggest thing. Um, a good game of Uno, you know, that's that, that's something I miss. I had some kids who were by the end of the year, you know, preschoolers. Some of them are really good good strategists with some games. Not that mm. Uno's a strategy game, but some things, you know, I miss that. Um, and my colleagues yeah. on a day to day basis, you know, um, I was blessed with uh, working with the same para for oh, seventeen sure. years, and so you know that that was you know a huge friendship that you don't have that day to day, you know, yeah. back and forth and stuff. But mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I think those probably are the biggest the biggest things that I that I miss. But the two things I don't miss oh. are correcting and grading at night. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, having your nights. Yes, that has been very taken over by wonderful. your work. Yeah. And a more much more relaxed morning. Exactly. We we both wanted to be at school or at the office fairly soon in the day because mm-hmm. we work better in the morning. And so now we have very relaxing mornings we do. with our coffee yeah. and devotions. So. That's good, yeah. 
Hey, you, we know that you are, are both very humble people, but looking back at your careers, what are what are one or two things that you are proud of? Things you humbly look back on um, and find satisfaction about. Hmm. Kim, how about you? Um, we didn't have a preschool at Orange City Christian yeah. before. Um, and if you would have, like I said, if you would have asked me if I would ever teach preschool, I would have said no. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, starting the preschool and that it's, that's been up and running for 20-some years. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably, yeah, a good thing. And I, I just, yeah, think back to how it started. And then we added a, because of the preschool, I think we ended up adding a, a early childhood edition where the kindergarten, preschool, and then a couple first-grade rooms um, got added on. And now um, they have a, what's called Cubs Care. Um, for for uh, students who are in preschool part time and then on Fridays, so they they added that also. So that's that's been a good thing. Um, yeah, I think that was just the just the addition of, of the preschool to Warren City Christian was was a good cool. thing. Yeah. How about you, Ed? Well, two ideas come to mind. Number one, and it's interesting because in my current job as uh, office administrator for Case. I reach out to schools with invoices and contracts and things like that. And I continue, just yesterday, I had somebody say, Oh, Mr. Starkenberg, it's so good to see your name. You were my professor and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, just um, seeing the people, the students that you had, where they are now and the work that they're doing now, that's a a positive thing. And also, um, while I was supervising Josh... Uh, from last week's or last podcast, when I was supervising him, one of the the teachers in his building came up to me and said, "Oh, I still think of children's literature whenever I see you because you helped me to love children's books and wow. to see how you can use wow. children's books in teaching." That's a surprise to me because I I actually was not a great reader growing up. Um, so it's interesting that that's kind of a legacy that some people have connected with me. That's neat. That's cool. When you guys think about people who might be considering the teaching profession, like what, what advice would you give people who are thinking about, maybe based on your experience as teachers for a long, long time, or when you look at the landscape of education today, what advice would you give to people considering joining the profession? I have always told um, my advisees, at the college level, that in my opinion, teaching is the second most important job in the world, second only to parenting. And so, you know, your interest in doing this is wonderful. We need teachers. We badly need good teachers. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested, please go into it and work hard at it um, because the impact that you make is very mm-hmm. significant. To to families, to communities, to society. And I think, too, that, you know, you need to give it more than a year or even two. Uh, <laughs> that's good advice. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it, I, I, I'm one that, you know, I think back to that first year, and I pretty much thought, mm, I'll maybe do this a year. And then, not that I didn't like it, I did, but I, did I love it? Probably not that first year. I thought, mm. oh, it's hard. It is hard. Yes. And I thought, I'll do this the first year, and then I'll maybe, what should I do? What should I be when I grow up, you know, after? <laughs> yeah. And and preschool was, that was even 
probably worse, wouldn't you say? That <laughs> I, I, knew, you see in space. I, I knew that God was calling me to do that. I mean, I really had a very firm conviction that that's what I was supposed to do. Mm. But I remember lots of tears and lots of, okay, if I'm, I, I feel that you're calling me to do this, but God, why is this so hard? Mm. You know, and preschool isn't supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be, you know, the academics of preschool are easy. You know, what's the deal here? But yeah, you you, you you stick it out, and it 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 yeah, it was yeah, the best the hardest career maybe, but also the best yeah. career, yeah. the biggest blessing. So Gabby says sometimes two things can be true, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It can be hard and exactly. exactly. And yeah. that's probably even more true today because yes. I know teachers yeah. are torn um, by you know parents who question them, kids who question yeah. them, society who questions them. Don't trust them. That yep. that's tough. Mm. Um, but I, I think we we still, as a profession, need to be committed to the fact that what we do is extremely important. Exactly. There's really nobody that isn't affected by us, and so our job is extremely important. Well, so when you're sitting with the two of you having coffee because <laughs> your mornings are a little easier, how do you? That's a big question, I guess. But how do you look back at it, Ed? Like, what do you when you look back at your career? What emotions do you feel? Or just sort of, yeah, I don't know. Like when you just think about it, um, yeah. What do, what do you find yourself thinking about? I think you know I enjoyed it tremendously, um, and I'm glad I'm still involved in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I do think again that probably the part that's the most fulfilling is thinking of the impact that you made. And, like I said, seeing seeing your students mm-hmm. now doing other things. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, the role that they have in their job, exactly. in, as, as a family person, okay. uh, in their church, in their community. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's really interesting mm-hmm. and very fulfilling. Yeah, exactly. How about you, Kim? Uh, the same thing. I, I uh, was just on the search committee for a new pastor at our church, and of the eight of us, nine of us, or whatever. Four of them were former students of mine. Wow. I know. That's what happens when you're old and you stay in the same community. It's beautiful. Like, it was. It was such that. a testament to God's faithfulness. And mm-hmm. um, one of them was a former preschooler, two were former first graders, and one a former fourth grader. And wow. just to, to have them on that committee and serve with them and to hear their perspectives. And there was another another person my age on the committee, and we were talking at one point when we were kind of frustrated because things weren't happening the way we thought we should. Um, a couple of those younger ones reminded us about, you know, having faith and trusting, and we're like, oh, wow, isn't that something? How, you know, and, and that was just such a great reminder of, mm-hmm. of, of God's faithfulness. Wow. And, yeah, just, yeah, seeing them. Yeah. Wow. That's neat. Well, the emotion I feel when I look into <laughs> you is one of gratitude. It really yeah. is a testimony of God's faithfulness, just the way you've poured your lives into, into students and the impact that you've made. And um, yeah, I just want to say thanks for being a blessing in, the, in this community and really having a transformational impact on, on so many lives. And I think that's a blessing that you are with your podcast. Yeah. Because that helps yeah. Teachers keep doing yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does. Thank you. That's kind you. of you. Thanks for being here, friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was wonderful. This is awesome. Good Dynamic duo. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Sunny and Cher of nothing. There we go. There it is. There we go. Perfect. Perfect.
Friends, we know that your time is valuable, and we want to thank you for joining us today for another hallway conversation. Whether it is this day, this week, this month, or this school year, we hope that the Lord gives you what you stand in need of. And we'd like to send you here with this blessing, and especially this for you, Ed and Kim. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. Now I'm getting emotional. <laughs> May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. Thanks Amen. for listening, everyone. Have a good week. This podcast was literally dreamed up during one of our actual hallway conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Hey, we have a favor to ask of you. Would you be willing to rate this podcast or write a review in your podcast app? Or if you found this conversation interesting or helpful, would you consider sharing it on your social media? Those things really do help podcasters out, and we would be so, so grateful. Thanks for listening, friends. Here, do you need this now? I knew it was coming. That's one of the reasons why I was so hesitant to say yes, because it's like, oh, you guys. So beautiful. This was wonderful. My temptation was I wanted to introduce myself as sex ed. Did you ever show them your t-shirt? You had a t-shirt for a long time. That's going to be the outtake. You know what's going to be the outtake.